and we'll be in Ephesians chapter 1. But before we look at this passage, I'd like you to answer a question in your own mind. And that question is this. Why does God ultimately save sinners? Why does God ultimately save sinners? Another way to think of the question is this. Before God ever created the world, before man or this globe or any of the planets or even sinners specifically existed, God planned to send his perfect son into this world that he had not yet created. And God planned to have his son die a gruesome, barbaric death under the hatred of God that he would have against sinners. And after crushing his son under the weight of his own wrath, God had also planned to raise Jesus from the dead in order to offer a free pardon to everyone who would entrust their lives to him and submit themselves to this once dead but now resurrected Savior. So again, the question is why would God orchestrate and then execute such a gracious plan to save sinful people? God certainly couldn't benefit from saving sinners. He existed before he created anything perfectly satisfied and happy and in perfect communion and fellowship as the Father, Son, and the Spirit. He had nothing to benefit from. He was always as glorious as he would ever be. And so your answer to the question, why would God then save sinners ultimately, it reveals what you think about the gospel and it reveals what you think your own salvation, if you're a Christian, is ultimately about. What is the singular overarching purpose for which God saves people from himself, by himself, and for himself? We have the answer in Ephesians chapter 1. Specifically, we'll look at verses 5 and 6. Ephesians 1.5 reads, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. See, the answer to why God would save sinners is actually pretty simple. This text in verse 6 says, to the praise of his glorious grace. God is a God who chooses to show kindness to those who are unworthy of receiving such kindness. That is what Paul calls grace. But it's not a small kindness. It's not a simple or a light, trivial kindness. Look at the adjective that's attached to the word grace in verse 6. Glorious grace is what it is. That signifies that this grace is not small or trivial, but it's weighty. It is impressive and significant beyond what we could possibly imagine. God was in and of himself gracious before he had created anything or anyone to show grace to. And because he was gracious before that grace had been revealed, then he was also worthy of being praised 
for that grace, that characteristic that he always possessed. I don't know when the last time you thought about that was, uh, or when was the last time you thought about that, but God was always gracious before there was anything in need of his grace, and he was always praiseworthy for that graciousness. And so what did he decide to do? He decided to create a world, allow that world and man specifically to fall into a state of sin where he could then show kindness to some of those sinners by rescuing them from the wrath that he has against their sin. And he would do this in love. He would rescue some of those sinners from the penalty of their sin out of love. And God also chose to do more than just rescue them from this penalty. But verse 5 says that he did this. He chose them for adoption as sons is why he chose the Christian. Adoption. God made his hateful enemies into his beloved children by showing them grace. That is amazing grace. And why? That's what we've been getting at. Why did he do this? Was it so that his children could now look at each other and marvel at how special that they were? Or so that they could look at one another and just contemplate the great privileges and benefits they now have as being those who have been adopted? No, that's not the reason. Verse 6 says, this was all why? To the praise of his glorious grace. Salvation exists for you, Christian, because God, our Savior, loves to be praised. Do you get that? Salvation exists because God loves to receive the praise for which he has always been worthy of receiving. So this morning, as we take communion, make this about praising God. Don't make this time a time of remembering you, but make this a time of remembering God's desire to praise God. And make this a time of remembering Christ's desire, that he so desired to secure God's praise that he came and he died, the death that he died for you on the cross before he resurrected. This morning, as you take communion, a little cracker and a cup of juice, use these moments to marvel at God's desire to benefit you in a way you did not deserve as he sought to make much of himself. No one else can seek their own glory and yet benefit other people in the process the way God can. If if you're here this morning and salvation for God's glory through the death of Jesus does not sound appealing. If you haven't chosen to live a life submitted to Jesus for God's glory, then we would just ask that when the communion comes by, the plates are passed, that you not take anything. Uh, It would be better to not take than to hypocritically take and profess the Lord's death as we're about to do here. But instead of taking communion, if you're not a believer, then you can consider these things or this question. What is it in your life that you're holding on to that you are cherishing more than being a dearly loved child of God through faith in Christ? What are you holding on to that's more precious to you than adoption as a son of God? That would be a good question worthy of your time right now. And anyone whom you've seen up front or myself, 
we would love to talk to you and, and help you answer that question uh, after service. So whether you're a member or a regular attender or a visitor, if this is your first time, if you are trusting in the finished work of Christ alone, through faith alone, to actually have the necessary righteousness to stand before God, then we invite you to take communion on your own when you're ready. Men, you can come now and, and serve us. Thank you.